0: For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Ramp podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Affordable housing is an issue that is rampant nationwide, and Lane County is no exception. Homelessness and the destruction that temporary camps create has the Eugene Springfield community frustrated like never before. The focus must be put into permanent housing for all and fresh ideas on how to obtain it. Today we are joined by a local resident who is making it his mission to find solutions to the biggest issue facing the 541 community. Coming up next on the Spent the Rant podcast, from Yimby, Eugene Springfield, Daniel Ivey. (laughs) Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Self-Esteem, but Willie. My guest today from Yimby, Eugene Springfield is Daniel Ivey. Daniel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: Little backstory on how this came about. A mutual friend of ours, Nick Phillips, had reached out to me on Instagram, which I really encourage you know listeners to do because I really like when we have listener uh, episode and guest ideas. And Nick reached out and was like, you know, you should really touch on the housing situation in Eugene. It's a big issue. And Daniel Ivey is somebody that's that's doing some really good work. So reach out to him. And I did. And then you agreed to do this. And then I talked to my girlfriend, Dana, about it. And she was like, oh, my gosh, that's my really good friend's husband. So it's a small world, great <laughs> yeah. community. We're all connected somehow. I swear it's like six degrees of separation in the world. But in <laughs> Eugene, it's like two, you know. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a smaller town than people think. It's a, It's interesting that way.
0: So we're going to talk about your podcast that you've recently started and that discusses housing and homelessness in Eugene and Mm -hmm. a lot of different major issues. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's start out with the nonprofit that you just formed. Uh, it's called Yimby Eugene Springfield, but right. you, you also use the acronym, yes, which is Yimby Eugene Springfield. Right.
1: Yeah. It's funny too, because when it first started off, I, uh, I originally had it as Yimby Eugene, which was kind of alliterative, like the, you know, Yimby, the, with the Y sound at the beginning of each. And it was like, cool. But, um, then somebody on, and the group was just like, Hey, is there any way you can incorporate Springfield? And I was like, of course, I don't know why I haven't thought about this yet. So let's like, you know, halfway through the first week of starting it, let's rebrand. And, right. uh, and so, um, but the, the really cool thing is that it spelled the acronym, yes, uh, The YES, which is really what we want to try to focus on. I mean, the idea of YIMBY um, is in a lot of ways countercurrent to the idea of NIMBY. Um, NIMBY stands for not in my backyard. And it's kind of this, you know, nobody identifies as a NIMBY. It's kind of a derogatory term in some ways, but it's basically the idea that like, I want to uphold the status quo. I don't want to allow other people or other housing typologies or other you know people that look or act differently from me in my area. And it's just kind of a mentality that we want to try to fight. And so I really love that it spells the acronym. Yes, because we want to say yes to housing. We want say yes to diversity right and and that's why
0: i chose you know to promote this episode as just yes to housing because i kind of wanted to have it broad so that people would kind of once they listen we'll get to the nitty-gritty did the nimbly stuff start in
1: a specific area did it start in new york no, it- it's – I mean, really, um, the the movement of YIMBY started in San Francisco, but the idea of NIMBYism is, is a pretty old one, and, and it's not um, – you know, I, I, I don't know the – I don't really know the history behind it specifically, but um, but the, the countercurrent to it of YIMBYism really started in San Francisco with the organization called YIMBY Action, and um, – Really, our organization started, and I say our because I'm, I, you know, when when all is said and done and we get registered with the, you know, with the IRS, it'll all be the board president and then there'll be a, a board that we have right. that, that sort of activates and 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 discusses how we want to proceed. Um, but this really all started through um, Leadership Eugene Springfield, uh, which is an, uh, sort of a year long leadership training slash uh, leadership engagement course that's put on by the Eugene and Springfield Chamber of Commerce. And we um, were sort of tasked with a project to do over the course of the year. And the graduation for the class is actually this coming Thursday. So it's, this has been like a year-long effort, wow. and um, they just gave us housing as our topic. And there are about 14 of us, and we were like, "Okay, how do we make housing better in Eugene and Springfield?" And uh, as we sort of got out into the community and talked to um, you know local affordable housing leaders, advocates, um, I'm on the Lane County Housing Policy Board, so I have a lot of contacts through that. I've been on that for a couple of years now, and. Um, they uh they just kept on bringing up the idea of NIMBYism just right. the, you know the fact that whenever they try to get you know new housing built in a neighborhood or whenever even they try to put a duplex up in a in, in a neighborhood that's mostly single family there's just a lot of you know countercurrent a lot of protests it's it's almost impossible to get an accessory dwelling unit built anywhere in the city of Eugene that um, which is it which is basically you know a lot of people refer to it as like a granny flat or like a mother-in-law oh, suite right. it's basically just any outbuilding on your property um there is exactly one person in the entire year of 2018 that successfully got an accessory dwelling unit built wow. in the city of and that's Eugene. because of permit issues that's basically the code restrictions that you have to have all kinds of like if you build an accessory dwelling unit you have to like create parking for it which is basically impossible if you're in the middle of a neighborhood you have to there's height restrictions um, there's there's all kinds of things and so um, that's funny that they have an issue with parking and yet you know, the campus
0: area can build high rises with maybe like 14 apartments. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, charge. Yeah, well, Money Talks it's... three to t- four times as much. Yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, I remember you talk about not the nimbly attitude. I remember with Matthew Knight when that was going in and people like, how are you going to build something that's going to create more of a traffic jam and right. then eliminate parking?
1: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's tough all around. And like I said, you know, Money Talks, and, and I think that, that that does have a lot to do with it. I think that, um, and and just getting to to kind of San Francisco and and sort of there so anyway th- to to kind of back up for a second, so we're we're getting this project going, we're talking to local, you know, leaders and stuff, and they're saying NIMBYism is the big thing. And in one of our project meetings, somebody just said, Yeah, we need Yimbyism. And I was like, Wow, that's catchy. That's that's cool, it sounds good, right. you know. And so I went online and it's already a movement, right? Like it's, right. it's already, you know, going strong in San Francisco. And I we, you know, we reached out to the um, executive director of Yimby Action. Uh, she has a podcast in the San Francisco area called Infill. Um, and uh, her name is Laura Foote. And she's just awesome. Like within about... 10 minutes she could tell how much passion I had and she was just like you know I kind of floated the idea of creating sort of a a, a, a local chapter in like Eugene for yeah. yeah and she said yeah here's our resources here was here's our materials use whatever you need here's wow. our link to our slack group um slack is like a, a you know sort of a not really social media it's like a communication tool and um and yeah I was talking to people there was a guy in there um who uh was a U of O grad so he kind of had you know a soft spot for our town and sort of walked me through the ins and outs of like you know, putting up Facebook ads to try to generate interest and get people to show up for city council meetings right. and things like that. So it just kind of took off, and um, and yeah, we've got a nice little group formed up, and and we're um, you know we're really passionate about about getting the word out and about you know spreading the 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 MB idea, the idea right. of saying yes. So speaking of of city council
0: meetings, that's something where you really get a lot of work done, and you know, I, I've, I've been hearing a lot of buzz and I've seen the posts that you've had, and I've listened to a couple of the podcasts that
1: that's really growing. The yeah. turnout
0: is really growing mm-hmm. and you're getting, you know, you're getting more voices, which is good.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because, um, you know, when I said I was on lean kind of housing policy board, I mean, really before like two and a half, three years ago, I wasn't really involved very much at all with volunteer work. I was just kind of doing my own thing. I've got, you know, young kids, so it's really busy, but, um, but really, um, you know, this is true for me and for a lot of people when, you know, Trump got elected and, and say what you will about him, pro or con. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people in this area, I, I'm certainly con, but um, the uh, it is generated a lot of passion on both right. sides. And, um, you know, I, I I went to get involved. I started talking to like, um, I even got coffee with um uh, chris Pryor, one of our city councilors, and you know kind of talking about ideas about how to get more involved in and housing policy board would usually be something that you would just automatically get on it's like you put it in an application there isn't enough interest but there were like 15 people who were actively going right. after it and they and they specifically chose me because i have a strong background in um you know fiscal policy and, and financial awareness because i work for a credit union um and um have been in the credit union industry for about fifteen years, and uh, and so yeah, so I got on there, and and then just kind of got more involved, and that's and that's true across the board. It's like I think people are just more fired up, they're more active, they want to show up to city council, they want to make their voices heard. Um, you know, one of the one of the big um, sort of pillars of our organization is the idea of training, and and one of the tools, if you go to our website um, at uh, um is uh, is basically a guide on how to talk to city council. Like when you show right. up to city council, like you know what um, what can you say in your two or three allotted minutes during the public comment section that is going to make your voice be heard and make your story be memorable rather than just being dismissed as somebody that's like screaming from the rooftops and maybe doesn't necessarily have like a specific point to get across.
0: The good thing, you know, touching on what you had said about how he's activated a lot of different groups and getting Mm -hmm. people more involved it's funny because he talked about draining the swamp and i feel in a weird roundabout way what we're seeing is we're seeing people that maybe before would feel like i couldn't be in politics right in like i'm Mm -hmm. talking actual elected seat right you know obviously you've got aoc that ran after being a bartender Mm -hmm. you know she's somebody like yourself though that is super motivated to represent your local community, you know, it's like when Obama ran and people are like, Oh, a community organizer. And it's like, yes, please. That's, we need more of that. <laughs> yeah, like they say that yeah. as an, as being a knock, but that's the thing is, is that I see people that are running that are normal people now. And I, I don't, I mean, what's normal, but you know what I mean? It's like people that before wouldn't be considered an mm-hmm, option. Mm-hmm. And so that's really good, you know, and, and you're getting, you're getting grassroots motivation. So the progressive movement inside the democratic party is becoming mainstream. Right. And so that's huge because that's how we actually invest.
1: Yeah, that's how that's how elections are won. I mean to to get, you know, to get to the people. I mean, that's the whole, that's how the system works. Right. Right.
0: You know, and I have James Barber on a lot and we talk about coalition building inside mm-hmm. of the democratic party mm-hmm. because you're not going to win outside of the two party system. So instead you have to, I don't want to use the word infiltrate, but you have to get inside of it. And so that's how you get stuff done. And it's nice to hear that Chris Pryor was willing to meet with you because that they are our, they work for us. Yeah. And so for them to come kind of sit down, I've met him. I've, I actually used to cut his hair. He's a nice guy. Oh, cool. And but they do, they work for us. They want they want us to help them make their job easier. Yeah, yeah. just as much as they want, mm-hmm. you know, So that's something that's really big. So you mentioned your website. Uh, Yimby, yes. So Y-I-M-B-Y-Y-E-S.
1: No, there's only one. The, okay. The, in the second, there's only one Y. So it's Y-I-M-B-Y-E-S.org.
0: And we'll put a link in the show notes anywhere you're listening to this, Spotify, Apple, on the website, strpod.com. We'll put a link in the show notes that you can go directly to that website. And on that website, you will find the link to your podcast, which right now is on SoundCloud, and you're working to kind of get it on yes, one of the sites. Yes, so Because yeah. it is only on SoundCloud currently. And then, which will be huge once you get it on more platforms, because then you'll hit Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, and there is, um, you know, we're in the process of forming into, so we're registered with the state, we're in the process of forming into uh, what's called a 501c4. Um, So a lot of the time when you hear about nonprofit, it's a 501c3, but a 501c3 actually can't take um, political stances. Um, And we are specifically, you know, that's, that's a big part of our organization is, you know, and that's a big part of the success that YIMBY Action in San Francisco has had, is the idea of, you know, take a, take a stance on, on specific issues that are being talked about in city council. And then, you know, if you have somebody running for, um, you know, for council or for, you know, I mean, they got Senator, um, Scott Wiener elected on, on the platform of UMB in the state of California. And, um, you know, it's, you know, when you get enough voices speaking up, it it can be a really powerful thing. And that's part of of what we're trying to do. So we're trying to form into a 501 C4. And so we're, we're in fundraising mode right now. And so, you know, part of,
0: does that kind of in a roundabout way, make it a lobbying group as well? Or is it kind of, I mean... I don't know the... That's the terminology sure, semantics. Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think that the, the difference with a lobbying group is that they, um, they, they're they considered for profit. more of a, a for-profit kind of so deal. There's and advocacy. So they can take So right. that's
0: the funny thing is it's all semantics. So like in one form, you've got advocates and then you've got lobbyists and lobbyists right. basically are like, they're going to cut your throat and they're going to, yeah.
1: it's all about money. Yeah. And it's funny When I was talking to, so one of our board members is Greg Shabram, um, who is uh, uh, chief advisory. Um, oh shoot. I, his, his exact job title um escapes me right now, but he's basically for the University of Oregon, he's one of the chief contract negotiators. Um and he is his wife is actually um Martina Shabram. Um she is running for four J um uh, school uh, board, and uh, and he was saying when I was sort of trying to pitch the idea of getting onto the board, um, he said, you know, how are you going to stand up to people that want to give you large amounts of money in exchange for you know sharing their opinion or sharing their stance? Specifically, developers, because right. that's something that uh, the NB movement comes under criticism for a lot. Um, and it's a guy's covering up as that a it's yeah that we're all shills for the for the you know for the for the corporate you know bigwig developers. And my basic answer was, we're just not. We're just not going to do that. We're not going to take money in response for saying a specific stance we're going to discuss all the issues as a board and as a as a community and then right. and then figure out what you know which direction that we want to take and then um you know and then you know kind of take more of a of a bernie sanders approach of like our our funding should be from you know a, a wide collective of smaller donations rather than like these big you know chunks kind of thing right
0: and that's i could see that like you said before about building duplexes and building you know, multi-family complexes right. and whatnot. So I could see that argument that people mm-hmm. would have that concern, and it's actually good that people ask those questions because then it allows you the chance to explain. Yeah, that's not what we're about.
1: Yeah, and whenever I talk to people about the duplex and triplex thing and the multi-family thing, and and you know, and and the condos and the high rises, like what all the different sort of options are, um, I I, ca- I keep coming back to this um, statistic uh, where when you look at the square footage or square mileage footprint of the city of Paris versus the city of Eugene, it's actually the exact same. It's almost like the exact oh, same wow. square mileage. Yeah. And Paris has 2.2 million people. And it's thought of as one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And granted, Paris has some, you know, has its own series of problems. And sure. they have a public transportation system that is, you know, renowned across the world, the metro. But um, And people are, live are in tiny not...
0: homes, you know. Metro I mean, a lot is of it...
1: San Francisco. I'm Sure, I got you. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't remember that. But the, people
0: um, li- people world. do live in tiny homes. You know, they're small, yeah. in, mm-hmm. and it's so small dwellings. We're going to get into that as well. So we've kind of covered what it is, that how it came about. I really want to tackle a lot of the issues with right. what it is you do. And also right. we'll get to it later, but what how can people get involved? Right. So the thing with what it is you do, it's funny because when we talk about all these developers and all this, this you know, large scale building, I don't know if that's what the focus instantly goes to for people in Eugene because the right. biggest issue is homelessness. right? And so we're thinking about how do we get these people off the street and out of the cold. And not only that, you know, it's one of those things that people think that that you're being inhumane when you talk about the destruction that's left and that's I don't I don't agree. I'm not a, on board with public shaming or with homeless shaming. I mm-hmm. think that's terrible because it's not a, it's not looking for solutions. But obviously when you have temporary makeshift you know huts and whatnot and like com, uh, compounds or whatever where they're yeah. allowing camping, Then the cops come and they're like, okay, because of illegal activity, we're closing this down. And then they leave. And then we see what we saw the other day. And then all gets, all that gets discussed is the aftermath is destruction. Right. And then obviously those people had to leave. They couldn't clean it up, you know? So a good friend of mine, Blair, I don't know if I'm supposed to mention this yet, but she's working on starting her own nonprofit. Potentially. This is like infant stages. Sure, sure about cleaning up the areas and how she can motivate some of the homeless people that actually do want to get, get help and so that she can involve them and then maybe have a cookout afterwards. So building humanity and like, you know, public perception can improve. So I think it's really important. I guess what my question would be is what is Yimby doing to put a focus on the homeless situation to where we can have permanent residents. That's the big focus yeah. is permanent residence. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's interesting because, um, th- there's a lot of really good points you made there. Um, specifically on the cleanup thing, one of our podcast guests recently had such a great idea and he's somebody that I really want to get more involved in, um, Uh, in, in general, he's not necessarily a huge political advocate of the fact that he just shows up at city council meetings a lot. Um, and, uh, and his idea was basically to create the sort of stewardship program where it's just like, you know, if you are camping or if you are, you know, sort of creating these like, um. You know, tiny homes almost are like semi-permanent structures or even permanent structures where like, you know, people that are currently unhoused can live in in exchange for some sort of stewardship over the area that they're on and, you know, living on public lands and things like that. And um, I I was recently in a... Um, in a meeting talking about the park blocks downtown sort of a uh, you know with the landscape architect firm that is uh, starting to work on that um, specifically the Saturday market blocks and uh, the block where farmers market is they want to put build a new city hall there and also um, create just sort of a a communal space that can be much more inviting and and a more permanent farmers market and so the idea of having like you know a tiny home there where like somebody who is currently unhoused or somebody who is seeking affordable housing can live there in exchange for sort of being a groundskeeper and right sort of being somebody so the that can same kind of concept is thing. like
0: when you go to a campsite like up the mckenzie right exactly. there's an on-site management exactly so one of those where they don't get paid right you know they basically get free those are i mean i think they might make a little stipend or whatnot sometimes but mm-hmm. a lot of them you talk to and they they just enjoy it yeah you know it's retired people mm-hmm. or whatever
1: and that's one and that's one solution i mean i think that the other you know there's a lot of um State and uh, Senate and House bills right now going through the state legislature that are really going to, you know, I think make a huge impact when it comes to, um, you know, I- increasing funding for homelessness and uh, and for getting the. Um, you know, for getting the funds into the right hands. I mean, we've got, uh, we've already passed um, Senate Bill uh, 608, which is the the Renter Protection Bill. And it's the, you know, one of the most comprehensive Renter Protection Bills that's ever been passed in the country. Um, it's basically to, you know, you can no longer have no-cost evictions as long as the renter's been in there for a year. Um, there are certain limitations on how much you can increase rent over time. Um, but, um, but which, there's- which that's huge because, you know, at the end of this episode, I'm going to ask questions that my listeners had provided
0: and that was one of them Brandon Becker one of my listeners that's what he had, he had talked about we'll touch on that a little bit again yeah but yeah about and that's huge I don't know if people realize now what was that bill
1: Senate bill 608 and that did pass Oregon um, Senate bill yeah, so it's a state yeah. it's state, a state, state law. bill and then, um, then there's Senate bill 5512 uh, which is the just the prevent and end homelessness bill um, it's designed to create critical funding for emergency rent assistance rapid rehousing emergency shelter through um, uh, the EA the emergency housing account and uh the state homelessness assistance program so um so yeah i mean and, and i don't want to get too technical or go into every sure. single bill here i mean we could put post links to them or whatever, my audience but...
0: can't read right so.
1: <laughs> um but <laughs> no. uh but uh yeah exactly so uh I gave them the resources and uh and 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 really sort of you know call your legislator and you know i've got a great link that i just put up in the yimby um Facebook page that just is uh, there's a couple links there. The first one is here's all of the state bills that are currently you know in support of housing and how you can support them. And then in the comment section, I just basically put here's how you contact your state legislature. Here's this legislator. Here's how to reach out to them based on what area you live in. And so I think that that's the that's a huge thing that people can do right now. And and what we're trying to mobilize people to do is to get as much support as possible for these Senate and House bills.
0: So what were the big things? I want to touch on this again because this is super significant. So. That no more, no, uh, no fault oh, oh, so evictions.
1: With, so yeah. So currently the, I mean, the way it worked before is that no cause evictions were just a thing that, um, that. It happened rampantly it was just you know you could um you didn't have to give a reason to evict somebody from your property and right. now that's not the case anymore you have to go through a lot more um you know steps as long as they've been there for at least a year right. um, and uh and i think that a, a big reason why that was happening is because the economy is very strong and so housing prices are increasing right. and so you know and and we say this thing um you know and economists are really fond of saying it and, and the talking heads on the big you know media sites and stuff they're they're really yeah, they're really to say how great it is that the economy is strong and that interest rates are, you know, going up and everybody's making lots of money. But what's happening is that the the wage gap is just continuing to increase. Sure. It's like the people on the top are getting really rich, but the people on the bottom and even to a certain extent in the middle aren't seeing those benefits. Well, and it's, and the, I
0: mean, the, the system is stacked to where I mean, even Trump has admitted not admitted boasted about how right. he benefits from a down economy. Right. That he pounces and buys real estate and then, you know, doesn't pay his bills. Right. But so it's disgusting. So, I mean, obviously, you know, Brandon had mentioned in his question, which is funny that we're addressing it now. We're not even gonna have to talk about it later. But then Brandon mentioned that his family had no, no cause eviction. And we're talking a family. We're talking in a house, not in an apartment where they're trying to like slap some paint on and maybe, you know, do a new countertop or something. Right. And so beforehand was there, there was, um, obviously you could have, any cause, no cause eviction, but also there was a sort of limit on how much you could raise the rent by. Correct. Correct. And now it's even more, it's like more specific. I think it was like a percentage per year.
1: Yeah. And it's based on inflation too. So it's like, uh, so the, and I don't know the specific numbers, but it's basically, um, just very restrictive in terms of how much that they can, that they can raise it, but it is still guided by inflation. So you're not, you're not going to ever be in a position where you are able to, um, where you're not able to increase it you know, faster than the rate of inflation. So so you, they want to create an, an opportunity to still give some, uh, you know, leeway to allow them to make some kind of profit over time, but it's just much more restricted basically. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the hard thing because,
0: you know, as a, as obviously one of the most, dis, you know, wise moves as far as investing is in, investing in real estate, because mm-hmm. it just constantly goes up and they'll have peaks and valleys like anything else. But That's the hard thing is is if it does squeeze the owner that is renting, and some people don't want to own because they don't know where they're going to be, especially in a
1: college town. Yeah, and so, and homeownership is it's a tough thing because it's like yeah, housing prices over the course of a twenty year period should increase by about two to three percent per year. You see peaks and valleys within that, Um, and it is a really great way to um, to to invest, but you i think a lot of people kind of get into this trap of like okay i'm going to put all my eggs in one basket and and go into the homeownership route when really you diversification is much more important if you have your money in a lot of different buckets i mean if you're you know making sure that you're investing in your 401k and you're you're putting money into into you know re- investing it responsibly talking to a financial advisor you don't necessarily want to go all in on homing because uh, on, on owning a home because then you could become house poor where you are in a situation where you're spending all of your money upgrading it and you're not actually you know making any money over time and so I think a lot of people um, just kind of get into this trap of like, okay, the the American dream, right? Like, we right. need to own a home, we need to you know have our own uh, plot of land, but there, there's nothing wrong with renting. And I think that we need to you know as a society get to the point where it, it's um you know it, it's something that that is more so. Right now, for the first time ever, Eugene is 51 percent um, renters. There's more well, renters and, than there are. And homeowners.
0: then also, you're not on the hook if you have to replace a sink or something like that. You know exactly. That, yeah. So that that it's not you don't, the unexpected doesn't happen quite as much. Right. So that's good. It's cool that you mentioned money management advice. That gives me a chance to plug my title sponsor. <laughs> so OregonCashflowPro dot is my title sponsor. And the videos are money management videos. I, and I mean, we, you had mentioned just different things about diversifying your, your assets or whatever your yeah. investments. And that's how you, that's what he talks about. So mm-hmm. definitely check that out. That's the link will be in the show notes. So
1: yeah, that's such an awesome service. I actually volunteer with um, Junior Achievement as well, which is an organization that gets financial uh, advisors and or financial people from the financial services industry into um, high schools and middle schools and, and really all grade levels, just to chat about you know, right, giving them the ins and outs of like how the financial world works. And it's great because they just hand you a curriculum to work with, and it's different depending on the grade level. Right, um, right now, I'm doing eighth graders over at uh, Madison. Uh, elementary or uh, Madison middle. And um, yeah, so it's just, it's awesome that he's putting those free videos up and it's just such a a great resource.
0: James Barber is somebody that obviously is an oncoming guest on the podcast a lot. And he's somebody that I admire because he does things that he does not see revenue from them (laughs) because he has a passion for the community because he truly believes that if you can invest in the community, then it grows every, I mean, everybody benefits when we're all doing well, you know? So, I mean, I obviously, you know, with capitalism, it's, it's a doggy dog world and we need to have a balance, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah. So back to what we were talking about. I, I mean, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like you've got a future in politics as well. You know, you're talking about, <laughs> talking about the, the, this is the thing that I love is that, you know, my, my, my guest recently, Zach Bassett who's on the school board for Springfield. Right. So you can start small. I mean, Zach and I used to just play video games 10 hours a night, you know, and I mean, he's really come a long way and his passion is for kids and and for helping kids and it's not far-fetched. I know right now, I mean, I think that when you're meeting with city council, you're going to get to a point 10 years down the road yeah. where you're going to be like, you know what? I could do this better myself.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I, um, I, I, really, I kind of fantasize about it for when the kids are a little bit older. My kids are three and six right now. So, um, you know, right now, I, you really, you really only have about, I mean, my wife and I both work full time. So it's, you basically got like an hour and a half with them in the evenings and stuff. And it's right. always tough when we have to take away from that, especially when we're already doing that, we're both involved. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I I do i do kind of fantasize about the idea of getting into politics long term and uh and and it's you're not the first person that said that and that that feels good that i mean people i've, are kind I've of considered
0: me. it as well and you know you have a lot more of a it sounds obviously like you've been more involved in the actual process i right. just kind of have some ideas you yeah. know and that's where it starts and <laughs> yeah. then i need to get my ass to some of these city council meetings and
1: yeah and, and, and we president. need to get out to springfield too because i think that one of the things that's happening is that um you know, Springfield tends to say yes to a lot of things. And I think that Eugene tends to say no to a lot of things. And so our, 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 our sort of focus right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know? and so our focus right now is Eugene, because we feel like there's too many nimbies. but at the same time, some policies are good to say no to. I mean, you know, I mean, Springfield's great, but they did put a ban on panhandling. And I think that at the, at its core, that's a human rights violation. And I think that Eugene did the right thing by saying no to that, to now, that, so to the panhandling This is my ban. concern with that
0: is that did they put a ban completely on on panhandling or is it out of i think they did so but with the, eugene's focus real quick what eugene's focus was the way that it was written was not to ban panhandling it was to ban panhandling through a car window at a stop like you had to legally be parked and so i think eugene missed missed out on this because i think that if you but the, here's the issue that i say a lot why don't we just enforce the laws that exist because right. it's like smoking cigarettes on a beach. People are like you shouldn't be able to do that. Well, if you're not littering and you're a thousand feet from someone, I'm sorry Like that, that's, this is getting excessive. Yeah. You know, and, and that's an example. I know that a lot of people on both sides of like, I hate smoking. I quit. And it's like, well, you're a hypocrite. Cause I'm on the other <laughs> side, but that's a different issue. But my take on the panhandling thing is, is that, you know, if it's going through a car window, you're already violating traffic laws. That should be enforced, you know, so they don't need new laws you know it's a tough one because Springfield boasts about that and you say I mean you hear it a lot where they're yeah. saying it's been effective but then it asks it, the question of where the people are supposed to go and right. how they're supposed to
1: yeah, yeah so, I, mean, I, so, we're, so I, mean, I guess my big thing is that like rather than debate nuance on this like specific panhandling thing because it feels like a band-aid whether you say yes or no yeah, to it yeah, yeah. we need to be spending more time on the bigger issue which is getting getting more housing built figuring out more solutions I think that um, you know the Egan Warming Center is is an amazing thing. And, and they, you know, they provide, um, you know, in, in critical situations during the winter, when things are too cold, that you can go in there and stay warm. But um, what we really need is something more permanent like that someplace, you know, public restroom, something that, you know, people can go downtown and use so like a almost like a homelessness center. Um, and, and and once we have something like that, something that a lot of the city councilors are trying to get traction on, that, that's hard to, um, that's hard to do. But um, there was just recently an article in Vox that talks about, you know, because there's a lot of debate about whether or not creating more housing actually does solve homelessness. And um, because a lot of the time what will happen is you create a bunch more housing and what happens is if it's affordable or cheap housing, people just – pour in from the outside and then move into those homes before the homelessness can get right you know, before they can kind of So get maybe in there. there
0: needs to be some type of subsidy for local. Exactly. And residents. so and
1: that's what and that's what the state and Senate bills are or the House and Senate bills are trying to accomplish is like creating more sort of restrictions around that, more sort of specific language and wording to sort of make sure that the money that goes to it is actually helping address homelessness rather than just creating more housing and, and putting more money into the pocket. Well that's of developers. a tough
0: call on how to go about it because obviously on campus you'll see a lot of international students. Students and mm-hmm. people from outside of the area that are willing to pay three to four times as much. Right. So then the local people can't afford those places. Right. I mean, in downtown in Eugene now has gotten to the point where it's unaffordable for the for a college student. Right. And so uh there has to be some incentive both for the, the owner of the property mm-hmm. so that they're not getting screwed because they're missing out on a potential income. You know, yeah. because if they can charge it, then it's supply and demand. And the thing know? that's
1: so sad about it too is that like because of the fact that we aren't putting enough Resources into this problem. A lot of those people that are coming in and paying all this money, a lot of the students, they're coming in for the education and then they're leaving. I and mean, we need to figure right. out a way to keep those people in the community. If we're if we're spending, you know, the one of the invisible resources that we're spending is that the homelessness problem is worse because of them. So if we're gonna if we're gonna spend that resource, then we need to capitalize on that resource and actually have those people stay and benefit And then the, the irony community. is, is
0: that the reason that a lot of people don't stay because the beauty of Eugene and Springfield is actually diminished because of this garbage that's left and because sure. the riverbanks are are flooded with garbage and I'm not blaming necessarily anybody there's a huge it's a systematic problem you know mm-hmm. and then people cuz I remember growing up here people would come and be like oh my gosh and then once you see it it's a vortex you can't not be here you know <laughs> but now you hear every day it's like oh we're coming becoming more like portland or we're, you know I mean portland and seattle have the problem's tenfold sure you know so i mean it's a it's a funny vicious cycle that yeah. sometimes the school itself is a culprit in the, the problem. Yeah. And then at the same time, like you said,
1: the people that are, that are coming to get educated are, are leaving afterwards. Yeah. And it's, um, and the other thing too, is that again, what I just kind of want to touch on as well is that the organization that we're trying to support, you know, and we want to talk about homelessness and we want to address it as an issue. It, 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 it it intersects with housing on so many different levels, but we also have to, you know, we can't put, we can't spread our resources too thin. Sure. And so, and, and really what we, what our main focus is for right now, at least while we're small is the, is the housing piece is the, you know, but, but we can, we can certainly double dip and, sure. and, and try. So, yeah. And, I, and I'm more just sort of apologizing that. I don't know more about the homeless issue right, specifically. Right. And
0: there's <laughs> an, and there is a lot of people involved in that. Now yeah. that there's a question I wanted to ask you, and then I want to get to some listener questions, but a big thing is, is that what, What benefits do you see that if we have more middle income housing, Mm -hmm. if the focus is put into middle income housing, what benefits can that do for the low income housing? Because what happens is, I mean, you know, Dana and I were in a position and we had upward mobility. We were able to buy a house because she got the job that she needed after finishing her master's and pushing along for 10 years of school, you know, that she finally... Got to the point where she was at where she could we could get into the place that we wanted, but before we were renting an apartment on on uh, Country Club Road for eight hundred bucks a month mm-hmm. for a two bedroom apartment, and you know we had two teenagers sharing a room for a minute yeah. because that's what we needed to do. So we were not necessarily in the low income bracket two as a whole like together because it's a two income world you know yeah. now, but we were able to do what we needed to sacrifice for that time being for a year or whatnot to be able to buy a house, and that was how we made the, those steps but what what can be done to have the middle income people have more options because sure, that is sure. like you're saying where maybe a duplex is the right answer yeah i don't know if that's considered middle income loan. Income. it depends on it's, the property it's,
1: it's considered missing middle housing so missing middle housing is this concept of creating lots of different housing typologies rather than just having only single family um you know and apartments being the only two options basically so the missing middle are like duplexes triplexes multifamily cottage clusters is another one where you have sort of like um you know uh a, a, sort of a subdivision almost and you've got sort of like a community-based feel where there will be like a you know maybe like a general store like a community um communal area like in the middle and then like housing units around it those are more difficult to pencil out from an investor standpoint so it's harder to get them built but um but i think that the big thing to think of and and i think that there's a lot of rhetoric around this when it comes to like okay what's the what's the silver bullet solution um you know it's not necessarily only creating the the missing middle housing um that 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 would then bring up the other types of housing and, and move people out of affordable housing into missing middle that's an important piece of it i think that just creating more housing across all levels, and and the reason why Ooh, yeah. yeah, well the reason why I create the reason why I mentioned the silver bullet solution is because uh, city councilor uh, Eugene city councilor Alan Zelenka has this great thing where he talks about um, we don't need a silver bullet, we need a silver buckshot, and and there, there's you know there's not just one solution that we need to pursue. It's it's really kind of all of them. But but you're absolutely right. It, you know more missing middle housing creates this sort of um, upward mobility. It creates more availability in the lower income areas, and then potentially the people that are unhoused could then move into those lower right. Income, and I just um, think that it, it helps
0: when you get like the NIMBYs, you know, it helps having this mentality that you're like, we're doing things that, I mean, obviously we want to help the homeless, like right. you had said before, but what, if we can do things that not marketed, but like it's pushed that it's like, look, we want to help everybody. Mm-hmm. Then they're kind of more apt to maybe come listen to what yeah. you're having to say because, because they just want the the low income people to leave. Like in I their, think that they just saying? don't
1: understand the the fundamental issue. It's like, I think that what happens is that there'll be sort of a, an, an opportunity for economic development, like a, a quote unquote bad neighborhood, and then that neighborhood gets gentrified, right? So like a bunch of people move in, they put a bunch of money into it, and then it gets, to, it turns into a nicer neighborhood as a result of the fact that the housing there was cheap. Well, then what happens is those people that put all the money in and gentrified it then turn around and say no more affordable housing in our neighborhood. We've taken control right, right. And, and we can't have any of this happen. What we need is more of an idea and a, and a thought of inclusion. Um, when you know recognizing the fact that okay, you didn't just create this economic opportunity out of nowhere. You built it on the backs of people that were that were suffering, that were in low income housing. So let's give back to those people now that we are in a, a favorable economic position. Or even just you know if there are city or county resources that are going into gentrifying an area, um, you know partnering with the. Um, with the developers and and saying, okay, what's a way that we can do this together? Um, I want to talk about um, the construction excise tax is a really good example of that. So the construction excise tax is something that was debated for about a year. Um, Basically, what it is, it's a tax that goes on builders. um, And uh, and it goes directly to a fund that it bypasses the general fund for the city. And it goes directly to a fund that goes to affordable housing. And um, areas like uh, Medford and Bend have had a lot of success with their construction excise tax um it's also called a um a transfer tax in some places, um, but basically, uh, you the idea is that you are um, you know you're you're partnering with the builders in a way. You're saying like, look, we want you to build here, but if you if you build here, you need to be contributing to affordable housing. And so we got that successfully passed. And I, I say we loosely. I mean, I was involved in some of the conversations, and the YIMBY movement kind of came in on the tail end and gave some public testimony in support of it. But um, but where we landed was a, a 0.33 tax, a 0.33 percent on all um, you know new Building that's done, and uh, and essentially that goes directly to affordable housing, and then after a year it goes up to 0.5, and then after that second year we then debate if we want to increase it to 1. And so, wow, um, yeah. and so this is a way that you can create a coalition and, and uh, better housing together is a coalition building organization that des- deserves a lot of um, recognition for their efforts in that. Um, I, I, you know, we were in support of just going 1 off the bat. I think that you know more more is better when it comes to putting sure, money into affordable gotta, housing. Yeah. Um, they also did this thing that, you know, again, compromise and coalition building, there's this thing built into the construction excise tax that gives um, some waivers on some other taxes for the first two years while the builders figure out how to pay for this stuff. Um, And it's basically some waivers on things like system development charges, um, which are fees that you have to pay to sort of build up the infrastructure around where you're building. And so there's, and so for the first couple of years, so a lot of people it's, it's come under a little bit of criticism, like, okay, this is, it's a fake CT or it isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, but we're, uh, we're, we're, we're playing a little bit of a shell game with the money to make sure that the money is going into affordable housing instead of into the general fund. Right. Um, and then moving forward, there's potential for it to be much more revenue generating, like after the first two years. right so.
0: And that, I mean that, you know, that's you're talking about different fees and taxes and all these different things. And that's the thing that puts people off, unfortunately, yeah. because, <laughs> because, you know, permits, I mean, to build a warehouse and i don't quote me on the exact numbers but i was talking to people before and they're more on the conservative side to be fair sure that they had told me like you know i wanted to start a a business that would have a warehouse that would employ 250 employees and he's like i'm moving to michigan because even to just get the permit to break ground is three three hundred thousand i think is what Uh he said something outrageous and to do it in michigan is like 300 bucks you know so I mean, th- th- this is the difficult thing when you get. I I'm on board with a lot of it, but you get a lot of dis-
1: detractors because they're like, hey. yeah,
0: you know, and you just hear all the, the the legal mumbo jumbo and whatnot.
1: So yeah, we'll get yeah, to yeah, and it's for me, it's like it's. I wanna. <laughs> I, I like. I like the. Um, you know, the, the lofty sort of like, uh, you know, the platitudes and the, and the rhetoric and the, and the stuff around like, okay, let, let's say yes to everything. Um, but I also want to be able to, you know, for the listeners that, that do know the issues and, and, and I want them to be able to, to relate to that as well. So, but, but yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and that's feedback that I've gotten too, that it's like, i start getting into the technical stuff. People kind of glaze over. A sure. Little bit, so. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> I want to get to listener questions. Um, so Justin asked, what strategies could the city of Eugene promote or even put into action to create more home
1: ownership downtown? Um, sure, go ahead. Go ahead. I was Thanks. just going to say, I mean, that, that for me, um, that question is a little bit of a loaded one because it's like I'm trying to figure out what... First of all, what they mean by downtown specifically, and also, um, you know, it, it kind of harkens back to my what I was saying before about homeownership in general. It's like the the idea of homeownership is, is a beautiful thing and we want to definitely promote it. But at the same time, we don't necessarily want it to be the end all be all. So I think that... Um, I don't know that the city necessarily has a, a whole lot that they can do to necessarily um, promote that other than to create a situation where um, there is more opportunity to own different types of housing. Sure. And so if, if by downtown you mean sort of, you know, the streets that that go out from downtown, like, you know, out out to like Lincoln and, and Tyler and that kind of thing, like that whole neighborhood, that neighborhood is just inundated with single family homes right now. Right. And and, and the, the way that the zoning laws work really prevents you from being able to build anything but that. And there are some that are grandfathered in and stuff. Um, my brother actually owns a multifamily, um, uh, you know, uh, a, a building that is, uh, it used to be a bed and breakfast called the, the oval door. Um, and, uh, and now it's, you know, he's converted it into housing and there's seven units there on a, on a, on a property that, you know, you, t- you hear people talk about like the, the eyesore that can come from multifamily housing. It's a beautiful building. I mean, sure. like if you, if you drive by it and it's a, uh, you know, you talk about, I mean, people, when they talk about different housing typologies in a neighborhood, um, you know, how it can, you can sacrifice neighborhood integrity and 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 that's just that's just nimby stuff coming through that's just them saying that they don't want it to be different they don't want it to be different what it currently is but it can you know if it's done in the right way it can be it can be beautiful and there's a um so i I guess i'm kind of skirting around the question a little bit because i because the basic answer is that i'm not sure what the city can specifically do other than to promote some of these um state uh you know senate and house bills that are going to put more money and 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 um not just not just the transferring of money, but also the the lifting of, you know, zoning restrictions right. and things and like that. Like creating different types of housing so dip, people exactly. have more opportunity That's, to to buy different types of housing, right. not just single so, family.
0: So, you know, downtown, I mean, and if we're talking downtown, like in Bermuda or whatever, sure, right? Sure. Then maybe we do need to look at what they've done, where they've put in businesses on the ground floor. And right. then they've put in condos and apartments that you can both rent and buy yeah. above it. And unfortunately, when you've got such a hot spot it's the cost is going to be it's going to be attractive to outsiders it's going to be attractive to people from the bay
1: area and whatnot and so i mean yeah and it's you know and when you get into the um to the to the aesthetic of what that would look like uh you know there's a lot of surveys that they've done in san francisco and also um i've sort of toyed with the idea of doing this in our area but like when you show um somebody the bottom floor of like when you think of like where um in downtown eugene where uh, off the waffle is like that building and then you've got the huge sort of like uh building right next to it off the waffle doesn't have a building over it but then the but then the uh the other um businesses down the road do and you show people like a picture of something like that and you try to tell them like how many how many floors up does this one story thing go and a lot of people can't even tell you um and and that's just an indication that you know you think of downtown you think of you know um large buildings and and large um you, you know Sort of things, and so when you when you look at um when you look at when you look at that, it's not necessarily uh, much of a difference. Sure.
0: So we've we've got about fifteen minutes left, so I want to get to the next question. We did kind of cover this. This is what Brandon had asked, and I'm going to read his whole question. It says one thing that comes to mind. Is The high costs, high permitting costs are impending the development of low-income housing, which we touched on. Another is a situation where we've seen a lot of lately and I have personal experience with. And it's landlords no cause evicting people to slap a new coat of paint and significantly in re- increase the rental price for the next tenant. Mm-hmm. Before they got their notice, they had frequent re- rent increases to, quote, better reflect rents in your neighborhood. I think we pretty much talked about all of that. Yeah, yeah. So I want to thank you, Brandon, for your question, because that was basically the premise of what we've really gone over. yeah yeah so that was really good um blair's question is a good one too real simple she has the long one but we've covered that but the short question that she has how does one get involved in yimby
1: Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's a great question. So, um, I think that uh, you know, really sharing, um, sharing the page, uh, you know, Facebook.com/slash uh, Yimbyes, the uh, y i m b y e s is a, is a great way to do it. Um, I, I definitely need to create a group as well. I was just talking to Patrick a about community. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah community um, to where we can um, actually participate more in in conversations rather than just have me posting links to things that people are reading or not reading. Right. Um, and uh, uh, and so yeah, so sharing the page, um, there's also, uh, you know, there is a GoFundMe going, uh, there's a link to that on the, the website, uh, yimbyes.org. Uh, um, but, uh, but more so than that, just reaching out to me directly, um, you know, you can use the contact button on either the webpage or the, uh, the Facebook site, or just reach out to me, Daniel Iv on Facebook. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just, just ask me how, how you can get more involved because we're gonna be, you know, we are in the early stages of forming this nonprofit, but um, there's going to be more uh, community discussions, more forums. Um, uh, showing up to city council is a huge way to do it both Eugene and Springfield and, and you and always
0: post the dates of the city council correct so, yeah. so definitely but in for, the show for notes.
1: now I've just been doing it when it is something relating specifically to housing that's going to well, be yeah. discussed on the docket right. or whatever Yeah, and I'll be posting those dates there's an event section on the webpage as well which is a little sparse at the moment but I plan on filling that out with sure. some more dates and stuff so.
0: so yeah so in the show notes there's going to be links to both the Yimby Eugene Springfield Facebook page and the website on the website you'll find the podcast link And, you know, this is kind of in its infant stage, this nonprofit. And so it's going to grow and blossom and and do a lot more things. And so I just really encourage people to follow the Facebook page so that you will get updated when the community launches and the community face the difference between a page and and a group community page. Is that with the community page, people seem to see feel like they have more of an impact on it. Like you said, it's not just you posting right. links. It's not, it's not be, people being talked at, it's being pe- people talked to and with, you right. know, so that's mm-hmm. really good. So... Uh, You know, we're going to end it with a song. Uh, I'll get to that in just a second. I want to remind everybody listening, there's t-shirts and all that good stuff available on my website, strpod.com. And I appreciate it if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever different site. But I really want you to go and look at the website every once in a while because I'm constantly updating it. So that's strpod.com. Special thanks to my title sponsor, Oregon cashflow pro also to a new sponsor, 45 degrees Northwest. My guest last week signed up to become a sponsor now, and he's promoting his outdoor community. So the links are in my website and, uh, Daniel, thanks a lot for coming. This is going to be good. I want to have you back, you know, in a few months and to see how this is progress, the progress has built because, because this is something that's, I would like to check in. We'll try to do it once a quarter, you know, once every three months or whatever, we'll try to bring you back. I'm, I'm. With the guests, I'm trying to keep the different type of guest mm-hmm. happening, but I also want to have people that are coming back because they're yeah. doing social. And causes. there are,
1: there are other initiatives that I'm in the very early stages of talking about where like, I can't even necessarily go into it right now, you know? And so, and so I, I love that. I love that sure. because, because, because when, when I can talk about them, I'm going to want to get the word out and, uh, and stuff. And, and there's the benefit a lot of I think is
0: our audiences are different. I think the people that are tuning to your podcast, because it is a lot. So if you want a lot more of the in-depth
1: kind of jargon yeah, technical jargon. type
0: <laughs> type stuff you know what is your podcast called? It's just Yimby yes. Do- so yeah,
1: so it's it's called the Yimbiest. and uh, I just kind of came up with it. It's basically Yimby yes with a T at the end. But yeah, it's the Yimbiest podcast, right. and uh, and the idea is that we're getting you know local um, you know uh, nonprofit leaders and local uh, you know housing advocates. I mean, there was one guy that I got on there that just during his public forum during the public forum at a city council, he got up and just talked at Mike Clark um, and basically said like it's it's you know sort of put him. Down down in a way and challenged some of the things that he was saying. And I was just like, that guy's articulate. That guy knows what's up. Right. I'm going to get him on the podcast. And he came. And so, right. you know, just getting local people from the community as that are outspoken, but also, you know, actual leaders in the community as right. well. And so, the, right,
0: Like we said before, the podcast is available on the website that's in the show notes right now. It's only on SoundCloud. So here soon that will be on all yes. of the, mm-hmm. all those platforms. And so I'll make sure to post when that is active, but also we'll bring you back maybe just to promote that. Essentially. Yeah. And yeah. What, what's grown with the podcast. One of the best ways for podcasts to grow is to promote each other's podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so, cause I mean, you already have an audience that likes podcasts. So, right. so yeah, your, your podcast is really good and it's really a lot of technical stuff. And I think people would get a lot out of it. Mine's more gut feeling and just kind of populism, but mm-hmm. still. So thanks a lot. Thanks for coming. This is really cool. Uh, Appreciate you guys for listening. I'm going to end it with a song that I wrote that I kind of thought was fitting about just kind of giving up and just staying put, like not wanting to face the day. It's called Here I'll Stay. So this is me, Self-Esteem Boat Willie with Here I'll Stay. Thanks a lot.
2: Intruding on me secretly, we can be all we can be, but we never seem to see through the cloud of memories. Spoon fed is a history, it's about our credit and by selfish pride. I believe I try to find some unity, not separation from our destiny. The best of me soon will be forgotten, left out, left over, gone rotten. Look deep, find out, can't sleep, drown out. Concerns with cheap and toxicants, wake up once more, upset stuff.